I want to take just a minute and kind of talk about where we are kind of in the RCIA process a little bit. And then I want to talk about sin. And I want to talk about uh, hopefully uh, ways to, to work against it. So uh, you guys are about to, the catechumens here, are about to enter into what's known as the period of purification and enlightenment, which roughly corresponds with Lent. Um, and uh, what this is, is uh, at, at this point, um, you've, you've been uh, like, you've expressed a, a clear desire for baptism. You've shown uh, clearly that you believe Jesus is Lord. <laughs> you also have studied the faith a lot um, and different things like that. And uh, not to say that there's not much more to learn. Uh, obviously, but to say that uh, there's been like a, a significant conversion of in of your life, right? Like, and uh, and that it demonstrates a f- faith, right? At least like the and, and so um, we're gonna today the bishop will accept you as the elect, which means that you're going to uh, be baptized, right? You're going to be baptized on the Easter Vigil, at the Easter Vigil. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, it, it should be pretty exciting. But it also is a period where um, the church invites you to consider like uh, the conversion of life, which is necessary for the entirety of the Christian life. But in a particular way, as you prepare for baptism, wherein you will say, I reject uh, like the evil one, I reject sin and all its allure. I reject all those things, and I turn towards God. Uh, like a recognition of like a particular period of purification and enlightenment, right? Like purification, pur- being purified from sin and growing closer to Jesus. So another way to say that is a period of deeper conversion, a particular period of conversion, and um, just kind of. To note, like that's not something that stops when you get baptized, <laughs> uh, but uh, it is something that uh, the church wants you to be particularly paying attention to during this time, right? So each of you, um, right, like, and we're going to kind of get into this, each of you might have an area or, or whatever that you recognize, okay, yeah, I know that I want to follow Jesus in this area, but it it's difficult, it's challenging, it involves some um, some suffering and involves some some difficulty, um, yeah. And I and I want to follow Jesus, right? So that's that's what this is all about, right? And you don't have to be perfect, right? Like no one expects perfection, um, uh, but you do have you like the the church does ask that you be committed and clearly, evidently showing the conversion of life, right, during this period. Okay, so that leads to what I want to talk about today in kind of our little right of election retreat. So uh, today I'm going to, we're going to do a couple of things. So for the first like 25 minutes here, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about sin, right? And I want to talk about in particular use uh, um, like the seven deadly sins and uh, a little bit if we might get to the predominant fault. We'll probably do that after the nine o'clock thing uh, quickly because I'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll come back in here with y'all after we do the rite of sending. I'll, I'll come out of mass because Father Brian's celebrating the mass. 
And then, um, and I'll do that with y'all. And then maybe we'll do the scripture kind of study thing. If you had something, I don't know if, yeah, awesome. After that, when I have to go celebrate mass. So we'll do some food and stuff like that. Um, so the idea would be that you can take the stuff today and you can uh, use it like the rest of your life, but particularly during this period of uh, purification. Okay, so um, let's think about this. In Matthew 19, actually, I'll take one of these. In Matthew 19, uh, Jesus uh, is approached by a young man who asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks about, uh, or Jesus replies, why do you ask me about the good, right? And then he talks to the, the young man and he says, um, you, you've got to keep the commandments, right? So which ones? <laughs> That's what the guy says. Which, which commandments? There were a lot of commandments. And, the guy sa- and Jesus says, uh, he replies with the Ten Commandments, meaning basically the entirety of, of the law in a certain sense, right? All of the, the moral precepts of the law. And uh, so then he challenges the man uh, who has kept those commandments to go even further. Right? And there's this, this beautiful line. Uh, so it's verse 20 and 21. The young man said to him, all of these I have observed. What do I still lack? So the young man himself recognizes, I still lack something. I'm still not there. What do I lack? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now when the young man heard the statement, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So uh, if we, if you kind of read in that, right, like uh, Jesus is inviting that man to a deeper conversion of life, a deeper uh, following, a deeper imitation of him. And that's, that's what we talk about when we talk about conversion, Right? And that's why it's an entirety of a life process to be more like Jesus. There's no, there's no point where we've completely reached it until we're in heaven. And, um, and it's hard for the, the man to say yes to following Jesus in that moment. Why? Why is it hard? He doesn't want to give up his possessions. Okay, yeah. So it's important. Yeah, and, and he's attached to them, basically. Right, he's attached to this these things. Now, are, are his possessions bad things? No. Not no, probably not. Right, They're probably probably good things. But the 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 question in conversion often is: Is this the best thing? Right? What are you? What what is the first uh, love of of your heart? Right? Like, and uh, and so you see in this young man a disordered attachment, perhaps to to things. To the goods of the earth, right? Um, and, and that's an example of, uh, of a thing that we want to be purified of, right? Not to say that the things of the earth are bad, but to say I, I have to be able to let go of them in order to follow Jesus, right? Following Jesus comes first. Same thing with uh, all of the, uh, we're going to kind of touch on the seven deadly sins. And all of those represent disordered desires 
disordered passions, uh, disordered uh, uh, kind of appetites for things that in themselves are good, right? That in themselves are, are all good because uh, desire is, is basically uh, when we apprehend, when we see something uh, as good, right? We desire it, right? So, so there's kind of that idea. So uh, Jesus goes on to talk about in this uh, passage, and I'll, I'll, you can obviously read this later. I'm going to skip over it because we don't have a ton of time. But he goes on to talk about uh, how uh, this continued conversion of life is possible, right? That, that it's, uh, it is actually possible for the person to, um, to be free from these disordered, or to, to, yeah, to be free from these disordered attachments. And you see this in the life of the saints. Now, one uh, exe- exegetical, that means like one idea f- that, that biblical scholars uh, have, have talked about with regard to this young man who comes up and, and talks to Jesus is that uh, he does actually become converted and that his name is St. Mark. Uh, that's because in the Gospel of St. Mark, uh, there's a similar story about a young man, but at the end of the Gospel, there's a young man who's following Jesus in the garden, and uh, the guards try and take him, and uh, it says that uh, the guards try and grab him, but he ran away naked, <laughs> right? And sometimes, in some I don't know exactly what the evidence is, but there's, it, it's, a, it's at least a permissible kind of idea. I like to think about that reality that uh, maybe that's St. Mark and maybe he did come back to follow Jesus and it just took time, right? With God, all things are possible. So, um, and we see this in the life of the saints, right? Every saint basically has experienced some type of uh, trial, some type of attachment that they've had to overcome. So, um, Yeah, so we've already kind of uh, at least talked about sin. I think probably in the time when when Father came to talk about confession, Father Brian, I think, came. Is that right? Or who came for confession? He did. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't remember everybody, all the the classes. Um, And uh, you probably have touched on the Ten Commandments and and things like that throughout the... the, um, this course of RCIA. And now we want to kind of look at sin, not from the perspective of law so much as from the perspective of its roots and causes so that we can, hello. Um, From its roots and causes uh, with regard and, and kind of figure out how it can be uh, removed from our lives so we know how it's grown in our lives and how best we can root it out. Now, in the Catholic moral tradition, uh, as I mentioned, the seven deadly sins have a particularly important place uh, in in this kind of uh, process of, of growing in holiness. Um, so they're gluttony, lust, greed, wrath, envy, sloth, and vainglory. 
And these seven are grouped together and called deadly, not because they're necessarily always the worst sins, right? You could think uh, of maybe worse sins than any of those taken as an individual, but because they are nece- because they are necessarily um, because they especially tend to lead to other sins, right? They tend to be uh, hab- habitual dispositions uh, towards evil, which are called vices, right? So a habitual disposition towards the good is a virtue. A habitual disposition towards evil is a vice. And these seven deadly sins, or seven capital vices, or kind of another way to talk, talk about them, are bound up in the origins of our sinful choices and the roots of our sinfulness. And understanding them and uh, reflecting uh, soberly on the part they play in our lives can be an enormous help to turning our back on sin and growing in virtue. Now, uh, in today's first reading and gospel, uh, we hear about the first sin in the first reading, and we hear about, in the gospel, Christ's conquering over temptation in the desert, right? Um, And the seven deadly sins uh, can kind of be roughly aligned with the three temptations that are, uh, are given to Christ, right? Also, the three uh, temptations that Eve faces, right? So it says in the book of Genesis that when the serpent lied to her about it and she looked at the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, she saw that it was pleasing to the eye, good for food, and desirable for gaining wisdom. Pleasing to the eye, good for food, and desirable for gaining wisdom. So... Um, and St. John, in 1 John chapter 2, uh, kind of categorizes these as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So concupiscence, which is the sometimes, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just disordered desire, basically, takes these three forms. Every sin involves some sort of disordered love, disordered uh, desire. So the, um, the lust of the flesh is uh, the inordinate desire for goods that pertain to our bodily animal nature. So uh, what two of the, the seven deadly sins would go with that? What do you think? Bodily Gluttony. Mm-hmm. And uh, lust. Yeah. Sloth is a little bit confusing because uh, sloth is not laziness necessarily. It's something a little bit deeper and we're going to get to that. But that's a good idea. Okay, so uh, so what what is uh, gluttony? Overindulgence. Yeah, so if we think about it as a vice though, it would be the disordered desire for 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 food in particular, right? So, uh, it, like, it, and I see where you're going, but we're, we're, I'll, I'll make a distinction. That I think that'll help in just a second with regard to avarice versus gluttony, right? Um, so it's an inordinate desire for food and drink, and uh, we could go into explaining like a lot more about gluttony. And I, uh, uh, yeah. So um, it, it could be, it's not just. 
So uh, sometimes this takes the form of eating too much. It also could be being too picky <laughs> about what you eat. It also could be uh, like eating too fast. It also could be, uh, you think about like the, the little kid who just like takes all the pizza, right? And like eats all the pizza really fast. Or, uh, you know, it could be taking, um, yeah, I mean, it could lead to even theft, right? Like taking something that's not you. So, um, or eating foods that are not appropriate for a particular time or place, right? Or on the flip side, uh, like there can be a gluttony, a, a certain type of gluttony. It's not, usually there's another um, word that like corresponds to the contrary vice. That means like the opposite vice, like virtue is in the middle. So temperance is in the middle between gluttony and there's not really a word, <laughs> but it, it could be helpful to think about that opposite contrary thing. It's much less common, but like not eating enough, right? Not taking care of your, your, your bodily needs is also a vicious, could be a vicious tendency, right? So, um, yeah. And, and just a, a word about both of those types of things. Um, when we talk about disordered desire, uh, just because someone experiences the disordered desire doesn't mean that they've sinned, right? There has to be a commitment of the will, a choice towards that. So you could think of, for example, uh, with regard to like someone who experiences like an eating disorder, right? Um, like they might have a disordered relationship with food. And if they're trying, if they're seeking to, to grow in that, right, to turn away from that, then they haven't sinned, right? It's just the reality of like, uh, you know, when you hear these things, sometimes it can get, it's like, oh my gosh, does that mean like I'm a horrible sinner and, and, and all that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, it means that you have a disordered desire, right? Like, and that's, that's not good, but it's not a moral evil until you say yes to it. Does that make sense? I just wanted to make sure that that's clear. Um, so lust, what's lust? It's the disordered desire for sex. Okay, sex, but also for uh, for like intimacy, right? A, a, a disordered desire for the 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 um, the expression of of intimacy through sexuality, right? So this could be uh, you know take the form of uh, things outside of marriage. It could also take the form of things within marriage, right? Like it's possible for someone to, uh, to, to fall into lust even in marriage, right? And so um, and that tendency manifests in all sorts of different ways, right? So it could be uh, a habitual sin of something like pornography or masturbation or uh, even uh, using your spouse, right? Like as, a, as merely an object for, for pleasure, as opposed to really a self-giving type of relationship. Um, so an invitation to consider that as one of the uh, seven deadly sins. And we can talk more about any of these things in the future. I just, we're going to keep going. Um, okay, lust of the eyes. What would that be? Like Jesus saved even... Your eyes, you can commit adultery. That's that would be lust of the yeah. That would be lust of the flesh. So, uh, lust of the eyes actually you, typically is identified with avarice, right? 
So that would be like getting, getting something outside of myself, right? Um, and what sin would, yeah, so that, that's usually identified with greed, right? Like lust of the eyes is identified with avarice or greed. Those two words that mean the same thing. Um, so greed is the inordinate desire for what? Anything. Okay. Anything covers a lot of areas. Yeah. Yeah. So we we, typically in the the moral tradition of the church, uh, there's a uh, it's the agreed for. Yeah, I mean it's true, Bob. Like anything, (laughs) right? Like anything, right? And uh, kind of uh, any type of physical possession, any type of um, thing that is not. yeah, it's not feeding like the lower appetites, right, um, necessarily. The reason that it's different than gluttony or lust is it, um, it often has to do with security and control, right? I need this thing in order to be in control, right, in order to be safe, in order to maintain this, this thing, right, like that that type of uh, thought, right? Like, if I give this, then I won't have it and I won't have enough. God won't provide. So it's, it's contrary to the, the idea that God will actually provide for us. Um, okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right, great. So the pride of... Um, and sometimes the other way to say that is... Uh, Avarice is the disordered desire uh, for um, for the good of um, stability. Stability, right? So, like, it's a good thing to want stability. Right? And, and I'll explain why in just a second, but it's it has to be ordered correctly, right? Um, okay, so the last one, the pride of life. So what would be the deadly sins that would um, that go with that? So the pride of life involves any type of inordinate desire for the goods of our rational spiritual nature, right? So the lust of the flesh and uh, is the inordinate desire for the goods that pertain to our bodily animal nature. The lust of the eyes is the inordinate desire that pertains to the goods of the material world outside of us. And the pride of life is the inordinate desire for the goods of our rational spiritual nature. So what would be those goods? Pride. Okay, so pride would be the... It probably is kind of at the bottom of all of them, all of these sins, right? Like everything. Uh, so typically, uh, they're numbered as seven. Uh, it brings up a good point. They typically we typically number this, the seven deadly sins as seven, but there, some lists have eight. And uh, I know it's just ridiculous. Uh, pride is is like the root. So uh, most of the time, that one kind of gets put at like the bottom of the tree and. All the other things grow out from, from pride. So if we might say instead of pride, uh, vainglory, right? So what's vainglory? 
Anyone know? Similar. So vanity usually has the reference to like physical appearance, right? But vainglory can be any type of desire, inordinate desire for praise or fame, or the word that is often used is honor, right? So the inordinate desire to be honored. Think of how many things in our world that correspond to that, how easy it is to, uh, to do the right thing for the wrong reason, right? Man, I'm going to look really good, right? Man, I want this homily to look really good, to be really good because I want to glorify God. Uh, some, hopefully, hopefully that's my reason, right? Like, but I'm just, I'm using an example from my own life because you can, you can like fill in the blanks in your own life, right? Um, okay, what else? What other of the, the seven capital sins would correspond with the pride of life? Anger. What is anger? Or sometimes it's helpful to make a, a distinction and not not necessarily call it anger, but wrath. <laughs> and I, just because anger is an emotion as well, and feeling angry is not the same thing as having experiencing the disordered desire for vengeance, basically, which is wrath, right? Um, so uh, anger is felt whenever we experience injustice or when we perceive injustice, right? Either to ourselves or to someone that we love. And, uh, and so that's not a bad thing, right? It's actually a really good thing. You should feel angry. When, if, if someone hit your kid, you should feel angry at them, right? <laughs> that is 100% okay. Now, the problem is so often we allow our anger to just, uh, it, it, it overcomes us, right? And, uh, and we stop being rational and we stop loving and we just have the desire for vengeance. For vengeance. Which, vengeance in itself is not evil. <laughs> it's interesting. There's a whole article in the, in the Summa about vengeance. <laughs> but uh, so often we are not a very good judge of what is actually just on our own, right? What is actually... Um, and so we have to be very careful about that. Okay. Um, what else? So you said envy. What's envy? Okay. What desire is it? Like what, what is it an inordinate desire for? Materials. It's not material things, right? That's avarice. It's a spiritual sin, right? The characteristic of envy is that it's sorrow at another's good. Sorrow at another's good. Does that make sense? Right? So I look at something that someone has, and the first thing that has to happen for you to feel envy is you have to recognize that the thing that they have is something that's good. Exactly. They don't deserve that. And so it can take the form of jealousy, which is kind of like a lesser species of envy, where uh, it just it's like, I want what they have, which sometimes that can be actually not a bad thing, right? Like you look at a saint and you're like, I want to be holy like the saint. That would be great, right? But so often it's like, if they can't, if they have it, 
and I don't have it, then I'm going to destroy it, right? That's, I mean, that, like, I, I'm going to sit in the meeting, and if this person's looking good, I'm going to try and pick them apart because, by God, if I didn't get, if I don't have the, the praise of my boss, they're not going to get it either, right? It's sorrow at another person's good. And you see how twisted that is, right? Like, it's, it's exactly the opposite of what we should feel, right? It, uh, St. Paul says, uh, uh, you know, rejoice with one another uh, and, and suffer with one another. And it's completely the opposite. Envy is just is the opposite. And the, the reason we can do that is because everything that God, like God gives us everything we need. And so whenever we see something good in another person, that gift is actually being given to us as well through the other person. We just don't like the fact that we don't get to control it, right? <laughs> so there's a lot there. Uh, envy uh, is really pernicious uh, with regard to like just, it can lead to some terrible things. And um, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay, what's the last one that we haven't talked about? Sloth. sloth. What's sloth? Laziness, right? desires. It it often takes the the aspect of of laziness, but it's not identical with laziness, right? Inaction. Inaction. Yeah. So sloth and envy actually go together. Sloth and envy actually go together. Sloth is sorrow at another human person's good, right? Hello. How you doing? I found oh, great. Yeah. So sloth is sorrow at another person's good. And I'm sorry, envy is sorrow at another person's good. Sloth is sorrow at the divine good which is offered to you. Sloth is sorrow with regard to the divine joy or good that is being offered to every human person. Right? So uh, it, it's a resistance, a sort of resistance to the demands of love. So God is offering us everything. Right? Um, he offers him uh, us his very self. And Sloth says, yeah, I, I see that, but I'm good. I'd rather, for example, sleep in on Sunday morning than go to Mass. Right? I'd rather not, you know, uh, pray. Because there's this other lesser thing, right? It's a sorrow uh, there. And, and so there's an invitation uh, in, in its a sluggishness and a laziness in pursuing that good. I, are you Lauren's sponsor? Who's Lauren's sponsor today? Does anyone know? The, she had car trouble. She's going to be try to be there at mass. Oh, okay, so she, someone did contact her. Yes, Monica, oh. Monica okay, her. sorry. I just thought like at eight four. I was like, it's getting kind of kind of late. Um, so was, that was. I did not mean for that to come right after sloth. <laughs> That's not what I am implying at all. It just was in my mind, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We, should, we should at least call her and say, hey, we'd love to have you. Okay, so it's 8.43. Um, 
and the final thing that I'll say before we move over to the church and get ready for the rite of sending is at the root of those three concupiscences is pride. Now, what is pride? All of these have been desires, inordinate desires or inordinate loves for things that are actually good in themselves. What's pride? Yeah, so in a certain sense, that's a good way to put it. But if we use that same type of phrasing, it's an inordinate love of one's own excellence. Right? You love yourself, says St. Augustine, to the contempt of God. I, 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 want, I, I love myself more than God. I want to be the creator. I want to be the the the. I want to be free of the conditions of, that constrain my reality. So um, now it's important to recognize, and we're going to talk about how you how you grow through these sin. Like how do you how do you kind of uh, take up ascetical practices after mass today? Um, but it's important to recognize that all of these sins, all of these vices, the good that they are disorderedly pursuing is actually something good, right? So, for example, gluttony. It has something to do with food and abundance and pleasure in a banquet, right? And in heaven, we're at a banquet, right? Like, it's, a, it's actually something that, that the Lord desires, right? Like, we come to Mass and we, we're actually fed, right? But... Uh, and then lust, right? Marriage and communion with another person, right? with 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 every like our our hearts are made for relationship, and so that's a good thing, right? Like, but it's but to to do it in the wrong way is is a problem. To to desire that more than to desire God, or avarice, which is ordered uh, is disordered. Yeah, is disordered to, to stability or to the material goods of this world. It, it's a good thing to, to, like, the, to have stability and we'll have eternal stability in heaven, right? Like in, in Christ Jesus. Uh, and wrath. Wrath has the desire to defeat enemies. And indeed, we, our enemies will be defeated in, in heaven. And uh, sloth, Right? Um, is a sort of false rest before the goal is achieved. But the rest that we have in heaven will be real, right? Like the prayer of the church every time someone dies is eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord. Right? I mean, that's like, this is what we, and there's a good, goodness there, a rest which comes after the defeat of enemies, right? The rest that comes after, like with the, the true satisfaction of, of, of living life well. And, uh, Envy, right? Uh, there's an, is a desire for, for a disordered desire for excellence, right? That uh, and a refusal to share the good with another. But we actually will have excellence, and every person in heaven, you will look at them and you will go, "Oh my God!" Literally, I, I don't mean that in like a like a disrespectful way, right? No, it will be, "Oh my God." How amazing is this person? Like as a pray, as a ex- exclamation of praise for the work that God has done in uh, in that person, 
and vainglory, which is a disordered desire for honor. You look at a person, like every person will be honored in heaven and nothing will be lacking. Like the, the desire of, of the approbation of the Father for each person in heaven will be complete, right? Like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, share your master's joy. So there, there, like these things, uh, the point of all the ascetical practices I'm going to give you later is not to destroy the desire, but actually to order it in the right direction. 